All right. So uh, last week, we, we had a call really to a revival. And that's a revival to the cause of Jesus. And so there are many causes in the world, but we are called as Christians to the cause of Jesus, to be deeply committed, to be willing to defend, to be willing to advocate, to live, promote, and die for Christ. And so that's the eternal cause that you and I are a part of, and in particular in our context here in 2023 in Orange County, we have within this cause to know, follow, and show the real Jesus. For us to know him, for us to be able to follow him, and then to show him in our life and in our promotion again of Jesus the Christ. And so we talked about a prayer last week, and so I wanted to remind us that the prayer for last week was to pray, and hopefully you did. If not, you can still add this to your prayer list this week, is to pray for all of us to know the real Jesus, to follow the real Jesus, and to show the real Jesus to our friends, family members, co-workers, classmates, and those around us. And so we said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and we're going to study out for the beginning of the year, for the first quarter, Jesus. And so our, our new sermon series is The Real Jesus. And so we're trying to search for, we're trying to discover the real Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for the next uh, maybe eight or so weeks here. And so we're going to look at what was Jesus really like? What does it mean to follow the Jesus of Nazareth, what does it mean in our context today? And so I sent out, actually, uh, those are on the church app, if you look, maybe you got the notification a couple of minutes ago, but actually there's a handout, if you will, in which we have about our series in the book of Luke. And so Alan right here, so you can raise your hand if you want a hard copy, because Alan will... We'll go ahead and give you that. And so it just kind of breaks down a little bit of our series and the study of Luke. We're going to study out the book of Luke. And Luke was a doctor who became a follower of Jesus and really became kind of historian uh, of Jesus. And, and, and so he wrote this documentary, not documentary here, if you will, but kind of like a biography. And so we have some information about that, and you can follow along in the app. Just go to uh, notifications, click on North OC, and it should be there. Actually, I don't even think you have to click on North OC. Just go ahead and click on there. What'd you say? Newsfeed. There you go. Right on the newsfeed, you can go over there, and this will help you for yourself and also help you throughout the time here in which we'll be studying out the book of Luke. And I want to encourage you as well to join us. I know many of us, we have a lot of Bible studies we're doing on our own, but I want to encourage you to also walk through the book of Luke as well with us as a congregation so that we can all come to know the real Jesus. And so, again, if you want to, uh, 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 there's many resources that I put in on the sheet there, some books to read as well, or you can follow along with some commentaries. A lot of great commentaries out there, some not so great, but if you even want some uh, suggestions on some commentaries to walk through it, I can go ahead and give you that as well. So, again, we're going to be looking at some observations about Jesus and what it means to follow the real Jesus. Now, I want to say this real quickly, and I'm probably going to offend a number of you and that's okay. Jesus did offend it. We'll see that here in a second here. But I want to share something real quickly. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's been something, man, I'm actually grateful that I have this opportunity to share this. I want to share this real quickly here is that this, I'm not sure what happened there in the, in, in the formatting there, 
These are quote-unquote images of Jesus. You're familiar with these, aren't you? You've seen probably most of these, the one in the, in the bottom right, that's the newest one that's come out in which they've tried to do some scientific research and said, here's kind of what we think Jesus might look like. Here's a little shocker for all of us. That's not the real Jesus. Even those pictures don't even match. You guys get what I'm saying here, right? And so those aren't the pictures of the real Jesus. Now, what happened is after years, when people first started drawing pictures of Jesus, they were really just trying to capture, like, what he was doing and what he was like. But then as years went by, people started to create an image of Jesus, and a lot of times in their particular culture, they would have a different form of Jesus. So here you have many different cultures all having a picture of Jesus. So which one is he? Guess what? He's none of those. We don't know exactly what Jesus looked like, and that's okay. But this isn't the real Jesus. And I, let, let, let's do this here, because I think this is important here. And again, if you want to use those images, amen. But let me do this here. My, my, my good friend, uh, here, here's my good friend. We all know the campus minister, right? Uh, Kyle Lounsbury, right? Okay, yeah, so here's a picture of Kyle Lounsbury. Now, Jasmine's like, that's not my husband. But what if we said from here on out, every time we, we showed a picture of Kyle Lansbury, the campus minister, we showed that picture. Now, I'm sure some might be like, well, that's an upgrade for Kyle. But Jasmine would say, don't you dare. <laughs> but that's not Kyle. But hey, there's similar features. Both tall Caucasian guys. At least he looks tall to me. And you go, what? And so we have to ask the question, but then we said, well, wait, but this is Kyle, so which one's the real Kyle? Actually, that guy on the left, right, my left, that actually, his name is Kyle Lounsbury. <laughs> so hopefully I don't get sued or anything like that, because that really is a Kyle Lounsbury I found online, okay, all right? But for us, we know that's not the Kyle Lounsbury we know, right? And so think about this, that for years, all your family had pictures of you throughout your generations, and it wasn't a picture of you. How would that make you feel? I just want to get some food for thought here as we talk about the real Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And again, some of you might be offended. You want to throw your stones. That's okay. No, I love those pictures of Jesus. Amen. But I just want to say, as we're going to study out, as we're going to discover, as we're going to attempt to follow and show the real Jesus, let's make sure we know who the real Jesus is. And let's make sure we don't settle for counterfeits. Let's go ahead and pray. I need to pray. Father, I thank you so much for the scriptures. I thank you so much for Jesus. God, I know I've been so inspired over the last couple months, but even this week, just studying out Jesus, I'm so excited, again, to dive deeper into Jesus, to understand who he is, his divinity, but yet his humanity. God, it is so inspiring. It is so all, uh, it keeps me in awe, Father, as I, as I look, and I, I just wish sometimes, I'm like, I wish I would have been there to hear those words. I wish I would have been there to see. But God, I'm grateful to be on this side of the cross. God, knowing that we have your Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to come in contact with the real Jesus so that we can follow and show him. I pray right now, God, that your word may be spoken. May your word be spoken. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
I want you to do this here. With, with the person to your right or your left, uh, share what's one word that you would use uh, as an to describe Jesus. So some type of attribute that you either appreciate, just one, okay? Just go ahead right now with the person next to you. One word about Jesus. Okay, all right, it was just one word. Okay, here we go. All right, let's get a couple hands here. I want to hear, what's, what's the one word that you used? All right, what's the one word that you used? Okay, we'll go both Alexanders, yes. Powerful. Secure. Influencer. Come on, man, there you go. Look at you, all right. Loving. Honest. Okay, yes. Faithful. Forgiving. Servant. Okay, up top. Obedience. Okay, all right, so a lot of good words. And so I want us to do this, and we're going to study out the book of Luke, but I want us to go to the end, and then we're going to come back toward the beginning. All right, so let's go on over to Luke chapter 24. We're going to start off here in uh, actually verse 13. It says, now that same day, now Jesus had died, he had resurrected, and he appeared to the women who came, but he had not yet appeared to his male disciples. And so here we go. It says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these things? What things, he asked. You know, I think the real Jesus had a sense of humor. He's over here playing around like, hey, yeah, yeah, what y'all doing? Uh-huh. Hey, what, what happened in Jerusalem? I don't really know. Why don't you tell me? You know what I'm saying? So the real Jesus, he was fun to hang out with. Amen. All right, so we continue, and it says here, and uh, there we go. All right, all right. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Interesting. As two of his followers, tell me about this Jesus. And the first thing they said is what Gene said. Powerful. Now, the very first thing you think of when you're describing a friend is the very first thing that you think. That's the attribute that comes to mind, correct? You think of your mom, your father, your best friend, your teacher. That first word is the word that's predominantly the, the, the uh, your recounting of who they are and their character. And the very first thing, they say, this man was powerful in word and deed. So I want us to look at that today. And so we see here that the real Jesus is powerful. The real Jesus is powerful. And in fact, this connection between Jesus and power is at least nine times just in the gospel of Luke alone. And so we can see here some of the times here in which Luke mentions that power and Jesus were connected. And we looked at one of them already, and we're going to look at two of them some more here. But we see this was a theme throughout as Luke went around as he heard the eyewitnesses' account. It kept coming back to this idea of what? Jesus being powerful. And so let's go on over 
to Luke chapter 4. And so let's do a quick recap here. This is a real a simple summary. We're going to go in Luke chapter 4 here. But in Luke chapter 1, Jesus' birth is foretold. Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born. And in Luke chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. There's more stuff that took place, but you got to read it on your own. But that's the point about Jesus. Now we get to Luke chapter 4. And this is where it starts to pick up. We've been picking up steam, and it starts to get into action now. Now, this is one of the most rich passages about Jesus, his life, his character, and his ministry. Because we see the real Jesus being revealed in Luke chapter 4. The fulfillment of the promised Messiah, and then the words and actions that show it. And so we take it up in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Brothers and sisters, are you with me this morning? Luke chapter 4 verse 1, it says, Jesus, after he was baptized... Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. We'll stop right there. You know what it says? He was tempted for 40 days. Many of us, I know when I first read it, I, I used to always think, oh, he had just been in the wilderness for 40 days, and then he was tempted. No, he had been undergoing temptations for 40 days, and now we're going to rev up to some major temptations here by Satan. And let me ask you this. Is resisting temptation easy? Every single one of us say no, right? Whether it's, man, we're, we're, we're tempted to eat something we shouldn't eat. We're tempted to look at something we shouldn't look at. We're tempted to gossip. Whatever the case may be, it's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? And so even the ability to resist temptation for 40 days from the tempter himself reveals what? How powerful he was. Because, again, it takes strength to be able to resist. And sometimes we can resist on day one, can't we? We can resist on day two, maybe, but day three, four, and five, boy, it starts to get tougher and tougher. Many of us, we decided we're going to go ahead and get in shape this year. And we're like, oh, it hasn't gone so well recently, right? Why? Because the temptation to give in to how you feel has started to win. You guys get what I'm saying? And so for Jesus to persevere shows, again, what, why they would remember him as what? Powerful in word and deed. And then he goes on. We won't have time to read it. But he resisted temptation to go ahead, or even in this case, to eat after he's been fasting for 40 days. Jesus is hungry. And they got some meals for him. And what does he say? No, no, I'm not going to eat that meal right there. Boy, oh, boy, I don't know about you, but that, that, I'm sure that was, that was self-denial right there. But then he goes and he resists the temptation to take control and not trust God's timing and plan. You ever struggle with that? You ever want to take control? You ever want to circumvent and undercut God's timing and God's plan? But Jesus resists that temptation. He resists the temptation of pride and things of this world. And we take it on over to verse 14. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4. We're not going to be able to hit on every single part, but we're going to try to get as much as we can. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues. Uh, yes, he was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Did you catch that? 
The synagogue is when on Saturdays, on the Sabbath, that's when the Jewish people came together to worship God. And it says, Jesus went as was his what? So did Jesus go to church service? He sure did. So should you and I, if we're going to follow real Jesus, should we be at the church service? Amen. I'm glad you're here. All right, let's continue reading. He stood up to read, and then the scroll from the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This was Jesus' announcement to the world. Hey, guess what? Something big's going on right now. You don't understand, but something is happening in your midst. And those who were able to catch it were like, wait a second, this is, this, this is, this is just, this isn't our regular Sabbath teaching right now. And so Jesus points and he says, guys, you know this prophecies, you know, we, every week we look at a prophecy and, and we look at one of the prophets and he goes, this one right here is being fulfilled. That's a bold claim, isn't it? And he says he went and that's where he started. And that was his sermon right there. And he goes and he sits down because back then you would stand up as you read the word in the, in the synagogues and then you would sit down and teach. And so he goes and he, he, he drops the mic, but then he picks it back up moment. you know what I'm saying? He's like, this is going to be fulfilled. And he sits down. All right. He's over here and they're like, whoa, hold on. Man, this dude's off the hook. And Jesus is going and he's showing, hey, guys, the kingdom of God is here. It's upon you. The Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah is here, and people are fired up at first. They're like, man, this is cool. You hear Jesus, man, whoa, this is awesome. You hear his words. But then he, as he keeps going, people get upset. They turn. You ever seen that happen? People love you, and then they turn on you? We see it all the time in cancel culture, don't we? And so he, he says something to his hometown that starts to offend his hometown. And he goes on and he ruffles their feathers because he starts making these connections between the Gentiles who are non-Jews and how they'll be blessed and those who want signs or those who won't believe in him, how they'll actually be part of judgment. And so they take offense to this. And we take it up in verse 27. And it says, and there were many in Israel with leprosy. This is Jesus finishing off here. In the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was clean, only Naaman the Syrian. Now, this really got them fired up because the Galileans, the Syrians, were their rivals. So they hated them. So now he says, hey, man, remember this time where only the one who's a part of your enemies, he was the one blessed by God, and they get upset. What? What did you just say? It says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Picture that scene. People are so mad. Wait, wait, I like what you said, but hold on, now I'm offended. You know what? I'm offended too. You know what? I'm offended too. Hey, man, can we talk to you, Jesus? Hey, yeah, come walk with us over here. 
and they're walking over, and now they want to throw him off the cliff. And Jesus does what? Hey, man, get up out of my way, man. It says he walked right through them. Jesus said, man, that's not going down today. I just started my preaching and teaching in this town. He said, no, it says he walked right through. If we had all the biggest fellas in here, you know what I mean, all around me. And I just said, man, Now, let me ask you this. Is that someone you would consider to be weak? Again, what are we seeing? Powerful in word and deed. You can see now why that would be one of the first things that these disciples would say. Because they remember, they can recall, they know the stories. Whoa, wait a second. He was no pushover. And in my language, Jesus was no punk. You probably haven't heard that in the sermon before, have you? And we see here Jesus walked right through again. What? Powerful in word and deed. Let's continue. Church, are you still with me? Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. There's that Sabbath again. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words are these? With authority and a power, he gives order to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Wow. That, that, that was powerful, wasn't it? We see this situation in which do you have this man who's possessed, and we don't know exactly what that looked like, but Jesus goes and says, shut up. Again, that's the Marcel version. As they cried, he's like, but you be quiet. Get about this man right now. I don't know about you, but when I get around people that seem to maybe be potentially uh, uh, in, in an off position, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I tend to want to make sure I'm looking for the clear exits. I want to make sure that I'm safe and others are safe. And so there's a defensive posture. There's a, hey, let's just make sure everything's going to be okay. You know what I mean? But Jesus goes over here, and he doesn't shy away from it, but he approaches it and confronts it. Could you please be quiet? Is that what he did? Hey, man, you got to be quiet. In fact, you want to get out of here. And he says, the demon left him. Again, he's powerful in word and deed. And then we see here this mention here that his words had authority. And with authority and power. And so it, what, what happened here, again, is during this time, all the rabbis, they would quote former rabbis. So if they ever did some teaching, you weren't supposed to say things really from the eye perspective. It was, hey, rabbi so-and-so, or according to this, so-and-so. But Jesus didn't do that. He came in and had the eye statements. And so he's not pointing, hey, remember you've heard this, or Rabbi so-and-so said this. He's saying, truly, truly, I tell you. And so he's speaking with what? Authority. Even authority over the spiritual realm here. 
And so Jesus, again, is showing us how powerful in word and deed he is. Brother and sister, let's keep going here. Are you with me, church? We go on over to the end of the chapter. It says, at daybreak, so at, right before this, it was, it was nighttime. It was the end of the Sabbath day. And so he had started healing, and he was helping people at night. And now it says, at daybreak, and so Jesus' schedule is pretty packed. He's denying himself. Takes some power and some strength to deny yourself, doesn't it? And so he goes and says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The other gospel tell us that he went out to pray. And it says, the people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus shows us here, look, this has just begun. I have a cause. I have a mission to proclaim the good news. And it can't just be local. It must get out to everyone. Everyone must know about the kingdom of God and its arrival. That the King Messiah is here, revealing God, revealing truth, and revealing salvation, not only to Jews, but to all. And so Jesus is about the cause. And again, brothers and sisters, we're reminded that we have the cause of Jesus. And that we too should follow this real Jesus. That we are committed, that we don't want to see just our own households, but we want to see all the towns here in North Orange County have a chance to hear the good news of Jesus. We want every single soul to be able to hear and know that Jesus was powerful in word and deed. And so we're deeply committed to the cause of knowing him and following him and showing him to our local communities, our coworkers, our classmates, our neighbors, our friends, our family members. We want them all to know the real Jesus, brothers and sisters. And again, we see what? We see in chapter four, just this quick, brief overview. We see him fulfill the promises of the Messiah. And we see him show it with his actions and with his words. And we see, whoa, this real Jesus is powerful in word and deed. And so you say, well, what does that mean for me then? What can that mean for you and I today in 2023 and in our lives and in our church life as well? And I believe that this is so cool. I was so fired up about this. Is that when we follow the real Jesus, that means we can have Godfidence. When we follow the real Jesus, that will lead us to Godfidence. You guys get what I'm saying here. And so what is Godfidence? It's this. It's humility before God and confidence in his presence. You see, it's not arrogance. It's not being naive and just going, oh, I got this. No, no, no. It's a humility that God is the one and only, that God is sovereign, that he is the almighty, that he's everywhere, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-loving, he's gracious, that we are aware of that, that he is it, that we aren't puffing ourselves up, but that he is who he is in a proper place, but then we guess, we know that he's with us. And because he's all those things, we can be what? Confident in his presence. And those of us who have repented and been baptized have the Holy Spirit. So his presence is always with us. So if we continue following the real Jesus, we have what? Godfidence. 
Humility and confidence at the same time, all in one. Aware of who God is, impressed by God, wanting to know him and follow him, and then being able to have the confidence that he is in my midst. He goes before me, he's with me, he supports me, and he's within me. Brothers and sisters, how cool is that? If we follow the real Jesus, this is what is at hand. This is what you and I have. Confidence that we are within his favor, that we have God's favor in our lives. I know for me, I can, I can often forfeit this confidence. Because I, I, I can start to forget that, that, that one, God is with me. And I start to think, okay, I'm doing for God, but God's somewhere else. You get what I'm saying? And so when you start to feel like, I know God is, he sees, but I don't know if he's really right with me, then the confidence starts to fade, and I start to get insecure. I'm not sure about this situation. And so my prayers aren't with confidence, but my prayers are like, oh, God, can you please do this? And so then I forget. But then when I'm reminded that, wait, the one and only goes before me. The one and only is with me. The one and only is supporting me. The one and only is living within me. Then that confidence comes back. I can approach situations differently now. I can see things in a different perspective. I'm now God-centered as opposed to maybe self-centered or others-centered. And so that could be my challenge. What might be your challenge when it comes to this? Again, if we follow the real Jesus, this is what it can lead to. But when we veer from following him, we then lose this confidence in our lives. But I don't know about you, but I want this confidence in my life. I want it this month. I need it this week. I need it in the next 25 minutes. Imagine having this confidence at your job tomorrow, at your school tomorrow. Imagine having this confidence when you got to have that hard talk with so-and-so. You see, we can have this confidence in doing God's will. We can have confidence in choosing what's right over what's easy. We can have confidence as we go and try to show the real Jesus to those around us. Because, see, once we know the real Jesus and we start following him, then that confidence will lead us to show the real Jesus to those around us. I say, hallelujah, man, Jesus is good. I say, hallelujah, God is good. I say, man, oh, man, this is so cool. I'm like, Jesus, you're so awesome. And I don't know about you, but I just, I've been so fired up this week because I'm like, this is the one I get to follow. And in some ways, it will reflect upon me, and, and people will see the real Jesus. They'll see this, this powerful Jesus in my life, and I just go, wow, that's incredible. Again, I want my kids to see that. I don't want them to see religiosity. I want them to see the real Jesus and see that he was powerful. And if I follow the real Jesus, they'll see that. And then they'll make their choice on whether they now want to follow him. But brothers and sisters, we are so richly blessed to have the real Jesus before us. To have the real Jesus beside us. The real Jesus supporting us and those who have repented and baptized, they have the real Jesus living within you. And so there's victory ahead.
There's victory this week. There's victory tomorrow. There's victory in your life if you follow the real Jesus. And so, therefore, we can have confidence. Let's go ahead and let's close it out here. Brothers and sisters, are you still with me? Let's close it out here. I want to give a prayer for the week, actually a prayer and action step of the week. So, again, I'm asking the church here, can we all join in praying for one another? Amen. And so the first thing here is I want to ask you, please read Luke chapter 5 through 6 this week and just make your own observations, your own notes on what you notice about the real Jesus. And we're going to see some things no matter what's going on in our life, and that's going to be really cool, and maybe you can share it throughout the week with those around you. But here's the prayer for the week. Pray for the church to experience confidence this week. Not just you, but that every single one of us will be able to experience it this week. Can you join me in that prayer? So you can go ahead and take a picture, write it down, whatever it is you need to do. In a second, we're going to take communion. And again, we close out here being reminded that the real Jesus is powerful. And when we follow the real Jesus, that leads to confidence. And as we take communion, we take the emblems that represent his blood and body that was sacrificed for us on the cross. And so we do this every week so that we can remember Jesus' sacrifice so that, again, we can not only be God-centered, but we can be cross-inspired. And that will lead to us being spirit-led. And so as we go back and we think about Jesus on the cross, you can actually see even more so, and maybe the greatest time of Jesus displaying his power. And so we read here in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the cross. Again, he is divine. He had the authority. He could have came down from the cross. But he decided to stay on and endure the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What incredible power it took to choose to die knowing he had the power to release himself. And for that, we say hallelujah. We say thank you for exerting your power to resist the temptation to give in to what's easy, but instead to do what is right. And you and I benefit from that so that we too now can have salvation in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for Jesus dying upon the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the life of Jesus. God, I just, I just get so excited when I look at the character of Christ, when I see him uh, quieting demons, when I see him walking through a crowd, when I, when, when I think about the words, his, his power and his willingness to, to even speak truth to his hometown and, and even ruffle feathers and offend them. God, I get inspired. I go, wow, the Lord that I follow is powerful in word and deed. And God, then to see that we have a chance to have this confidence, God, that we can see you clearly. We can see our role in your story and then have the comfort knowing that your presence and favor is with and upon us. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for saying no to the temptation to give in. Thank you for saying yes to the Father's will. Thank you for leaving us an example to follow. And God, I pray that we fix our eyes on you so that we too may resist temptation and follow in your footsteps, doing what's right to the glory of the Father. In the name of Jesus.
Amen.